Good morning. I'd like to greet each one of you in Christ's name this beautiful morning, this morning. A uh, man from New York City befriended a Native American. This happened a number of years ago. And the man from New York City invited the Native American from way out west in the country into his home in the middle of New York City. The very next morning as the, the uh, man from the city of New York was showing the Native American around, he stopped, the Native American did, and he said, I hear a cricket. And the man from New York City said, no, he said, You're, this is all kinds of no, noise here. He said, no, he said, I hear a cricket. I know I hear a cricket. And so they began to pursue where he kept hearing this, and two blocks down in a flower box was a cricket. Now, the man from New York said he looked at him in amaze and he said, how in the world did you hear it two blocks away? And without saying a word, the Native American reached in his pocket and he threw out change in the sidewalk and instantly everybody stopped to look where that come from. And he said in his short words, he said, you know, you hear what you train your ears to hear. We heard a lot of crickets this morning of God's word. We heard a lot of truth, and I tell you what, I have been fed already this morning. I think we would all agree we all have been very adequately fed. And one of the things that stand out to me this morning, I just want to say as an encouragement to especially all our youth, all our young marrieds, I've told some of you younger marrieds, I don't consider, I still consider ourselves young married. You might disagree, but, um, I tell you what, it's youth that we see that take part in church and find interest in church, and I think the ministry here would agree. That's kind of what keeps us going. Amen? Because you see a lot in many areas where you don't see that much anymore. And to see the gospel keeps going forward, um, it means the world. And so, frankly... Just seeing that in this past week is enough for us to go back home and say, wow, it's worth it. Um, just that alone. So keep up the work, and uh, you are the future of the church this morning. Um, I probably, as far as in revivals, I don't know. Um, I try to squeeze out a dentist as I talk to him what you normally do traditionally. And I don't know if Genesis is normally a traditional thing in our revivals, but I, my desire is not was not so much to touch us um, emotionally, but simply um, touch us where we really get a desire for the Word and to dig in it. And emotion is not wrong, but it can never be our foundation where we base our salvation on. Um, we all have, would have our highs and lows, and uh, feelings is not enough to base everything on. But this morning, um, I don't know if this is your tradition or not. Um, I know it is maybe where we come from. We normally look Sunday morning in the subject of the home or marriage. 
I don't know if that's tradition here or not. But uh, we do fortunately have this design that is in here in Genesis, and we're going to be looking at it this morning um, into the first marriage and the design that God has so, so uh, plainly put in here for us. <clears throat> First of all, this morning, I'm going to tell you that if it was not for this design, I would not preach it because I'll tell you why. I myself do not have the authority, but the Scripture gives the authority, and we can look back to that authority and get that direction. I'm preaching to myself just like anybody, like I am to you all. Um, I've told my congregation many a times, I'm preaching to myself and you all are listening to me talk to myself, basically. So that is that is one of the things I want to make very clear. And I don't have a lot of the list of do's and don'ts, but foundations we can build on from that point on. One of the things that I again want to remind us of is that God's design is foundational to everything in life. And this morning we're looking at marriage and God's design is foundational. Again, cannot be improved upon, but is a foundation that can only be built upon. And it is a, it is a design that was created way back several thousand years ago. That design has never changed. And it never will change, brothers and sisters. We can actually, um, we can totally depend on that. And I am, I tell you what, when you look at that, you look at things that are very foundational. We're going to be looking at that later on as well. So let's look into a number of uh, scriptures here at the very beginning here in Genesis. And I really ask an interest in your prayers. I, uh, I'll have to admit, I'm going to confess one thing, and that is, uh, at home, I usually don't follow notes or use notes, and I come here in, in uh, Minnesota, and I found my brain just can only absorb so much, meeting new people and new names and new areas, and it's all coming all at one time, so uh, sometimes I find that uh, my computer isn't very, real big, so I do ask an interest in your prayers as we, as we look in this subject that God would would uh, direct in this way. Okay, going into Genesis, we looked at the creation before, and we've made some establishments, and I may be repeating some of the things I've said before. But let's go into chapter 1, verse 26, and this is a, a again a... Uh, Um, the account of God creating man. In verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our, in our image, again, in the image of God, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given... Tell you, I've, I've wore out the Genesis part of my Bible and I'm having to find which, but there we go. I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and of every 
tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were going right into chapter 2. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to read a number of scripture and then we're going to come back. Okay. And uh, going into verse 1 in chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into it into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And let's skip over to a verse because of time. Let's skip over to verse 15, and it says, And the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou shalt, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and of every and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Going into into chapter 3. Let's go ahead and keep on reading until verse 14. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the 
woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman of whom... The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Uh, you know what? Let's stop there for now. Try to remember to come back to where, close to where we left off. Now, you may ask a question, and I used to ask a question. If you look back into chapter 1 and you go into chapter 2, it sounds a little bit like a repetition. Now, interestingly, in the original, in the Torah, it, in all reality, chapter 1 goes all the way till verse 6 of chapter 2. And then it would begin in a new chapter at that point. Now, if you look into chapter 1, you remember we established that God had created a physical part of man and He created a spiritual part of man, which is the soul. God is giving two different accounts. If you would look at a blueprint of a, of a house structure, you would get many times a, a blueprint of what the exterior is, you would get a blueprint of what the interior is, and it looks somewhat different. And this is what God is presenting here, is He's presenting an account, first of all, in, in verse, in chapter 1, at the very end, He is presenting a biological creation is what he is presenting, and then he goes into the next chapter, and he is now presenting, in all reality, a spiritual creation. Because this is now where he shows very very clearly, this is where he breathed into man, and man became a living soul. One of the things that I want to establish here here this morning, and I, I may run into bunny trails some, is the very fact that that right there is a basis when we take a stand for abortion. Man did not wait to become a living soul when there was life. It was instantly like that. Man became a living soul. Can't separate it. That is always a part of man right from the time life begins. Interestingly, if you look into, I want to look into chapter 1, real briefly it says in 27, So God created man in his own image, 
In the image of God created he him, male singular and female singular, created he them. We have one, two, them together. This is very important for us to really recognize, is that we, as two individuals, those of us who have been married, are two individuals, and yet we are one. Married. And that is, speaks volume right there. Now, we notice here that God, as He is creating everything, it's good, it's good, it's good. He's talking about every the light. He's talking about the plants. He's talking about the animals. And everything is good. And when he looks at man being alone, he says, whoa, this isn't good. What is God saying? It's interesting if you look in statistics, and statistics in all reality do not lie. When you have... Look at the statistics of those who have committed murder and those who have committed many felonies, 80% and more are single males in America. Those who are in poverty, over 70% of those who are in true poverty in America are single males. So when we hear, when I was single and had a lot of money, statistically that's not true. In fact, it has been going back to Jewish uh, uh, teaching. They will teach, if you want to truly succeed, get married. Now, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm going to give you a real quick disclaimer. Don't try to get married for uh, financial success. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it's a success whether it is financially or not to be married to the one that it has been for you. There is no greater success other than following Christ. There is no greater success. But, before I get into trying to find my place here. Trying to put my Bible back together. Uh, Okay. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Sorry about that. Okay, now we have here God who says it is not good for him to be alone. One of the things that we need to make very sure of in this verse, it says in the very same verse, he says, I will make a help. A lot of times we hear about a help meet. If you've noticed as I read these verses, it's very important for us to make a, a uh, definite that it is not just help meet. It's a help meet for him. This is huge. Because he is actually saying in Hebrew, I will make a help suitable opposite for him. Now, it's interesting, scientifically, many ob- God has created many opposites to work together to actually make things that are good and life-sustaining. 
There is about 110 to 120 elements in that everything is made of in this world. And practically not one element works by itself, is any good by itself. Water, what's it made of? H2O. Salt is made of two chemicals, which is sodium and chloride. Never heard, I heard Dennis ask for the salt, didn't ask him for any chloride. Never asked him, never heard him ask for any sodium. But you put the two together and it is a very valuable mineral that we humans actually need. In fact, we take it for granted because of the mines, but at one time it was even used long ago for pay as money. That's why you hear the the um, term, he isn't worth his salt, or he is worth his salt. That's where that comes from. The word salary comes from salt. And it is a very valuable thing, but guess what? It is not an element of itself. It is two separate things. The air we breathe, oxygen and nitrogen. Now, we got some electricians in here. We got two exact opposite wires, don't we? We have positive and we have negative. Now, I'm going to go a little bit on a little bit on a bench here. Now, if we would try to take this word fair and make everything equal, we would say, wait a minute, everything needs to be positive or everything needs to be negative, but you know what? Scientifically, that would never work, right? We have, we have the positive, which lets us know if we happen to be grounded wrong, whether it's hot or not. But the ground, there's nothing there. And literally, in all reality, if you're only looking at 110, you have the exact opposite colors that represent it. You have black and you have white. And yet together, guess what you have? You have energy. Something that is totally opposite of each other. A hydro plant has water up here and it has water down here. To make it work and to try to bring that all equal, you're not going to have any energy. It takes opposites and it doesn't mean that this water here is of any more value than this water here down here. They all have the equal value to create energy. Four-part singing. I love four-part singing. I don't care which way you put it. And guess usually who gets the most attention? Anyway, for me, I usually pay the most attention. You have the tenor and you got the bass. Right? The opposites that make a wonderful melody that is there. You see, that is exactly God's intention when it comes to marriage, is that He said, I'm going to create somebody opposite of you in every which way in order to make things happen and good things happen. I'm going to create those things that are opposite. While I'm on that subject, I want to say this morning 
that that is one of the things that I believe that sometimes we fail to do as husbands and wives is to, is to treasure the fact that we are opposite. We men tend to think with our heads. Women tend to think with their hearts. And you know what, brothers? Don't try to get your wife to think like a man. Because she's created to be a woman. And wives, likewise as well. Appreciate the masculinity in your man and the way he thinks. And we still can come together in this way. You know, feminism is one of the things that is so prevalent in our society today. And it doesn't mean that we men need to become beasts. I'm not saying that at all. But I will tell you, we men need to know where we stand and stand where we know in all areas of life. And I will tell you, that is what the world is calling for and that's what the world is looking for. And that's what our families want. That's what our sons, our daughters are looking for men who know where they stand and can provide that security is what they're looking for. And it is one of those things that I think we run into so often is that there is not the appreciation for the opposite gender that there needs to be. And I'll tell you what, brothers, there is one thing that we need to understand is that we, in our gentleness, do not try to become our wife's girlfriend, but that we provide the security that is there for our spouse that they can find that security. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Now, we look here, and I want to get a little bit on the track here of God doesn't do this immediately. He says, I will do this, but first of all, what does He do? He has Adam go and name all the animals. A big job for Him to do. And I don't know exactly how all that happened. I don't know exactly all the names of the animals, but there's several things for us to consider as he's done that. And it's not totally about marriage. But one thing that is very clear is that there is a relationship in some ways, and in a limited relationship, I'll say this immediately, between a man and an animal. A dog recognizes its owner. There is no relationship between an animal and God. Okay? And I will tell you this real quickly. That always bothers me. And it's my pet peeve. Is that when you hear somebody tell their dog, go to mom. Because he is not created in God's own image. The human being is. And what you've done is you've not elevated the animal. You've taken down... The other person, you've taken them down from that notch in God's own image. And you know what you just did? And it it goes right on up. You've also taken down the glory of God. So in this, he is showing to Adam that even though that there's all kinds of living creatures out here, Adam was alone. Totally alone. Even though that he had God, even though he had God as one who could have been a relationship to him, there was still something that was missing. And now we have here 
after Adam goes through all the animals and there was nobody for him, even though there was living creatures, God basically said, go to sleep and when you wake up, I'll have the best thing for you. It's interesting that God did not do this right away. But I can only imagine as he woke up and he showed her around that garden. And it gave him, it gave him a home team advantage. I've always been told, and I don't pay a whole lot of attention to sports, or I actually don't pay any attention to it, to be quite frank with you, but I've been told that those who play on their own field have an advantage over the team that comes into their field called a home team advantage. Adam has been created. This is now home. This is now his home. And now Eve is brought into his home. And therefore, she now finds a security. Frankly, here in, here in Minnesota, it's not my home. We've enjoyed it here, but we're trying to figure out every street. We're trying to figure out um, a lot of things that are here and, and all those things. And you kind of feel like you're not at home. You don't feel the confidence that you do when you're at home. In a sense, Adam was at home and he could bring Eve into this and provide the security that Eve was looking for. And I don't think it's any, it's too much to ask for any of us men to provide that security for our wives and it'll go right down to our families the whole way through. It's interesting that Adam says here, or before I get to that, we notice here that what God had done, and it says in verse 22, it says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman from the rib, not from his feet, not from his head, not from his hands, but close to the man's heart. Made he a woman, it says here in verse 2, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Wait a minute. God just said she was woman. And now Adam just repeats and says, she shall be called woman. It's interesting that when he makes this comment, when man was mentioned before this, I'm going to go back to Hebrew again, it basically was talking Adam. Adam, Adam, Adam. And now we have here... He says, and this is in Hebrew, it says, She shall be called Isha because she was taken out of Ish. In other words, Adam said, I'm a changed man now. I'm no longer the Adam, the beastly man, but now I am changed because of what God has brought in. And she is now part of me, and now things are changed. If you don't believe me, 
Walk some time in the middle of the night about a changed man. Walk some time in the middle of the night in, in a city. If you see four different people walking towards you and you start to panic in the middle of the night, why is it that there is a great relief when you see two men, two women, and realize it's a man and wife going on a stroll than four men? It does, it makes a difference for me because you realize the change that is is brought in. <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to make very clear too, as I failed to, is that when he says, I will make a help meet opposite of him, it also says two things in this. And that is, Aside from, uh, besides a man and woman being uh, thinking differently from each other, along with that is, it also makes it very clear that marriage needs to be outside of the family as well. Because within families, we have similarities. It also, in this statement, is a statement against homosexual Married, same-sex marriages. Very clearly, because it is opposite of each other. And I'll tell you, that design, again, I can't... I know I'm repeating it, but that design will never change. Never has changed. Always will be there. Because God has created it. And to try to do anything beyond that... It's trying to say, God, you haven't done a good enough job, and I'm trying to make an improvement, and it's bound to fail because, number one, it is sin. Now, interestingly enough, we go on into, into chapter 3. Um, we left off at 14. We have the fall of man. I want to make a real quick, a real quick, uh, look into this just a little bit, and I know we just went into the uh, Sunday school not that long ago, but one of the things that I find very interesting, even though Eve was the one that was beguiled, was the first one to commit the sin, and then went on to Adam, God called out who? He called out the man of the house. He did not call out Eve, he called out Adam. And that means you and I as men are responsible in our homes. No matter what happens, we are responsible within our homes. Now, we go on over into... um, uh, Let's go into the chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten or acquired a man... From the Lord. It's interesting, if you would go into that Hebrew, she is actually saying, I've acquired, and she's talking actually about Adam. I've acquired this man. It's interesting that I've said before, if we just follow instinct, things go bad. And what happens many times when children are wrought into the world, are brought into the world, 
Many times um, mothers follow a great instinct that is given as far as taking their care of their children. But many times what happens if those who are, who are not um, godly minded follow an instinct and ignore the husband and pay a whole attention to their children and then the man starts to follow his instinct which is never down a good road. And I don't think I have to explain that any farther. You see, there is a great structure that is there when we follow God's plan with children as husband and wife as we stay together. We looked at that structure somewhat this morning. Um, We looked at at Jacob and Esau, and uh, we looked at um, Isaac and Rebekah. They definitely were not together in their in their marriage as far as the I don't know was there communication there or not but they definitely were not together but one of the things is is let's remember that I said last night that families are a building block to the church and to society I'm going to actually um I'm going to go down a bunny trail a little bit. I think i got time. Sometimes I make a better hound dog than a preacher. But um, I'm going to go down this. And this is one subject I would love to get into sometime. And it excites me because there are so many things that God has, has given us. And it's not by mistake by any, or by chance. But God has given us so many things physically to show us things spiritually. And He didn't do that by mistake. None of you are probably an architect here, and I am not an architect, but any of you are involved in construction, tell me if you have a beam, not a straight line, not intended to be anyhow, um, you have these two pieces running along beside each other, and you're trying to keep it from cracking down, the force cracking down as far as inertia or whatever, you have the pressure that's coming down. What's the strongest way of keeping that from bending? Is it circles? Is it straight up and down? Or how do you look at the girders that are underneath the bridge? How are they? They're literally triangles. Okay? That is where you get your strength. Okay. Let's have a little fun with this and yet teach ourselves something. Families are the strongest when you have got man, you got the woman, wife, and you've got children. You have children in your home. That is one of the strongest structures you can get a hold of. You take any of these out of under and you've got a structure that's going to collapse. You take this corner out, take that, it's about bound to collapse when homes break down, in the home breakdown. Um, but in the marriage, interestingly, in marriage, we have another triangle and we have man again. We have woman, and we have God. 
Again, a very, very strong structure for what? Our marriage. The triangle of all of these things make for something that is very strong. Let's make something else. This is just a quick lesson on about, could I say, change. And this has actually helped me out in, in life as I looked at Genesis. But you have three elements of all of our lives in this world. One is human beings. Let's put in humans. The other one is the um, physical rules of nature. And then you have God Those things will never change. You always need humans in, in our life. We need other people in our life. We can't go without eating. I could for a while, um, the way it looks. But anyway, we won't go there. But there's many things that we need physically. And there is rules of nature that will never change. None of this can exist without God. These are the th main three elements that we all need. It's interesting, anything else and most everything else is in a triangle as well. And I'm going to, let me first of all put this on here like this. I'm going to make an upside down triangle. Because we have technology that is ever changing. And we have medicine. This is one of them I'm just going to put down. And we have science. One of the things as we go through life, we have to realize that this will never change. Ever. This triangle will change and has to be pivoted on the things that will not change. In any decision that we make, the truths of God's Word, which is God, and the things that He has created, and the need for human beings will never change, but all other things will change. So don't think, as we go through life, and as we learn those things that are spiritual, don't think that God does not care about detail, because... We now have a wonderful triangle, if I may put it out so, that we have God. Let me put this down here. We have God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A wonderful structure that we base our lives on. Don't think that God gave us the triangle by mistake scientifically and spiritually. And as we look through life, we have to understand that in those triangles, there are things in life, as we make plans for our family, there are things in life that will not change and never will change at, at that. <clears throat> so much for my triangles for now.
One thing that I want to look at real quickly, and looking again at at uh, us as men and women, one thing I want to pick out real quickly is I want to back up a little bit. And uh, after sin was in the world, Here we go again. Um, there's something that I want us to look at, and that is, real quickly, it talks about in chapter 3, verse 5, it says, here it says, The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. We jump over to 21, it says, Unto Adam also, and to his wife. Did the Lord God make coats, a skin, and clothe them? Okay. There's a little play in words, but it actually speaks pretty good volume. When they made aprons, it does not say unto Adam and then to his wife made he aprons. It says unto them. They had the same thing. But when God gave them furs, it says unto Adam and to his wife. You see the distinction there? There is a distinction. And clothing ever since has been a relay, a spiritual relay to others of who we are. Our masculinity or the feminine part of woman, it relays those things. If you don't believe that the physical relays or the, your clothing relay anything, then tell me why you would feel uncomfortable going into a bank and seeing a banker sit there in tank top and shorts. Not going to happen, is it? Even in Wall Street where there is high-end people who run the monetary end of our nation are dressed up. Okay? And they realize that is part of it. Well, I say that it is not part of our salvation. It is still a relay to others who we actually are. And especially when it comes to the genders, it needs to be a clear distinction who we are. Yes, clothing may not make a man. Trucks may not make a man. But I'll tell you one thing. It's God who makes a man. Being being who we are and a woman who is after God's own heart will follow how God has created her. And let me tell you, it makes for the absolute beauty when we follow God's creation and His plan, His design to the teeth.